Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the Word of God speaks to you today. We are doing a series called Checkup, where we're looking at our soul and we're asking the question, how are you doing? How are you doing? But we're not going for the platitudes that we give, which are, oh, good, I'm great, you know. Um, But instead, we are going to go to the spiritual doctor, which is Jesus, right? And we're going to learn from his word about how our soul is doing so that we can live a life that is pleasing to God and feels good at the same time, right? Because we know um, sometimes we don't feel like our life is going well, and that is because we are often out of step with the Holy Spirit. So we need to take an honest look at how we are doing um, uh, in terms of our spirit and our soul. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, in the seats near you, underneath you, there are Bibles. We would like for you to take that Bible, use it today, it's following along, and then if you do not own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. We want that to be a gift from Jesus to you through us this morning uh, because we want you to have the word of the Lord with you wherever you go. If you want to just find um, a Bible verse to follow along with as I start off with the sermon, you can go to 1 Thessalonians um, uh, chapter 5, verse 23. It's a little book of the Bible in the New Testament. Um, I often have to use the table of contents to find it because for me, it's literally this. That's the book of Thessalonians. Um, and that can be hard to find if you're just flipping. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We read this verse last week, um, and uh, it was in reference to this image. And again, we're going to use these images again to help us understand the spirit, the soul, and the body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 23. I'm sorry, not chapter 23. There we go. People are like, wait a minute, you're not preaching from the Bible. I love that accountability. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And it says this. I love this verse. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That means all of you. And may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who, is, he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. That's really good news, right? And we looked at that verse last week, and we learned that God has made us a three-part being. This is a little bit of a review in case you weren't with us last week. God has made people a three-part being. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body, and he wants to take our spirit, our soul, and our body and make them whole and holy and pleasing to God. And he is the God of peace. And he is a faithful God, and he said he will do it, so he will do it, right? That's what we get from that verse, right? That he wants us to be made holy, that we don't make ourselves holy, but God will make us holy, right? And then, last week, we ended up with this. If you weren't here last week, it looks a little overwhelming, but let me walk you through it, okay? This is the last thing we ended up last week. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? Our spirit is the part of us that is aware of God. God speaks into our spirit. He created us with a spirit, right? And then we have a body, which is the 
right? The tangible parts of us that live in the world, right? And we can uh, receive from the world or we can receive from God, right? And the voice that we listen to the loudest will determine in our soul our beliefs and behaviors because our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our heart or our thinky, feely, and decidey parts as it were, right? Okay. So if you lean towards the spirit and his voice and his guidance in your life, your beliefs and behaviors will look like the spirit of God. You will become more like Christ in your thoughts and your actions and your decisions and how you feel. But if you lean towards the world, right, then your beliefs and behaviors will look like the world. But the world changes, right, from generation to generation, from age to age, from time to time. And so you will constantly be going to and fro with the world's whims. One of them is very stable and one of them is not. And so when it comes to our soul, our mind, our will, and our heart, <coughs> Where do your beliefs and behaviors come from? That's what we looked at last week, right? That if we receive input of the Spirit, we begin to look and act like the Spirit. But if we receive input from the world, we begin to look and act like the world. And we realize that the soul is that battlefield of spirit and flesh, right? So um, we are constantly struggling, but God wants to give us hope, okay? This is where we're going to enter into this morning. Our root passage is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to put it up on the board for you this morning, but if you want to find your Bibles, you can. I color-coordinated it for you this morning because I like that. And if you'll notice, spirit is always blue and soul is always orange and body is always green. Why? I like those colors, okay? Um, <laughs> They looked good together, and so I went with them. There's nothing deeply innate about those colors, but I color-coordinated this verse for you so that you get body, spirit, and soul in those colors because it kind of breaks out like that. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you don't, it's on the screen, and it says this. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Okay? So this last section, right, this orange section, then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and how pleasing and how perfect his will really is. That's the point in life where your soul is content, right? Where you are living in step with God, and you feel this sense of, oh, you know what I mean? Have you ever sat down after a really long day in a recliner, <laughs> right? And you get that feeling, like I say this at home a lot, especially when I lay down at night in bed, and I'm like, ah, oh, my favorite part of the day where my muscles don't have to do any work, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about though? Am I the only one that lays down or sits down and you're like, ah, you know, I no longer have to support my own body weight and it just feels good. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so that's where you want your spirit to feel when it's in step with God, where you're like, ah, you know, I'm in relaxing home clothes and my hair is messy and I have dinner spilled on me, but nobody cares. And it's a good point in the day, right? You know, I don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to like be anything for anybody. You're just comfy, right? You're at home, right? 
This is the moment where your soul is at home with God, where it's completely relaxed and let down and you are comfortable with where he's leading you and where you are. This is where we want to be. Now, this passage talks about your thinky parts, right? And your feely parts, which are right about here, because you feel and you are comfortable, okay? And then it talks about your doing parts, your actions, right, up here. Your thoughts and your feelings, though, where your soul lies, um, it tells you kind of how you're doing, right? When you don't feel comfortable, when you feel uh, stress, it tells you that your spirit and your flesh are struggling it out, right? And we're going to look at that today. Um, so here's, here's where we're going to go. Spirit, soul, body. Okay, we'll fill this in. Body, remember, it's the part of you that God gave to you to receive input right you touch a stove you know it's hot that's good god gave you the ability to know don't touch the stove again when it's hot right but our body also receives input from the world okay um romans 15 7 says this accept one another as jesus christ accepted you in order to bring praise to god romans 15 7 now why would god's word tell us to accept one another because we don't naturally accept one another. We need a reminder to accept one another, right? This is a positive correction. He's not saying, you're horrible people who never accept one another, shame on you. No, he's gently saying, hey, accept one another. Like when you're a, a parent and you don't you know, yell at your child, why didn't you put your coat on as you're walking out the door? They haven't even got out the door yet. You just say, hey, don't forget your coat, right? It's a reminder, right? Hey, accept one another just as Jesus accepted you. That's why you accept one another, because he accepts all people. He accepted you, therefore you can accept people. And it brings praises to God. But the world needs this reminder because the world says, I am conditionally accepted. What your body receives from the world is the statement, I am conditionally accepted. And that's why we have to have the reminder from Scripture, the world places conditions on our acceptance. Has anybody ever been excluded from something? Like four of us? Y'all are lying. <laughs> you are liars in the house of the Lord. Okay? Shame on all of you. Right? Every single one of us has been excluded by some people at some point for some reason, right? Whether you were not wearing the right clothes, or you weren't saying the right things, or you didn't fit into what society says is normal, right? You were not politically correct enough, you don't align yourselves with the right leaders, you didn't vote the right way, you, um, there's just a myriad of ways, right? That you can not be accepted in this world because the world says you are conditionally accepted and we must be told by scripture to accept others because our default setting in the flesh is to reject that which does not make us comfortable or that which is different than us right so the world tells us you are conditionally accepted i will accept you if you do X, Y, or Z, okay? That's the input we receive from the flesh. Now, the Spirit tells us something different. The Spirit, God in us, says, 
I am, con I am unconditionally accepted. There's a really big difference be between conditionally and unconditionally. It's two letters, but it changes everything. I am unconditionally accepted. Here's two verses for you. I have them up on the, the reference there for you. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And you, finger pointing, you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, and you were doing evil deeds, Christ has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Right? Okay? So, Christ says, you were once doing things that made you unacceptable to God. But I came in the flesh and I took all of the things that you did that were sinful in your flesh nature and I took them on my flesh and I died for them. And now, because I've done that, I have made you holy and blameless. I accept you. Right? Romans 3, 23 through 25. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified. That's a fancy term that means just as if I never sinned. You could also translate that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are accepted freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And we receive that by faith. Right? So the world says, do this and that and I will accept you. But it may or may not last forever. And you're going to have to continually work to receive acceptance. Okay? Jesus says, you've done some stuff that's pretty bad. No lies. But I love you. I died for you. I forgave you. Nothing will stand between you and me. We together are one. I unconditionally accept you. Which would you rather, right? Right? If you had two tangible people in front of you and one said, I'll be your friend, but you always have to wear a certain color. You always have to address me as, um, you know, the boss, whatever, okay? You always have to bring me a specific coffee drink. Don't get it too hot. Don't get it too cold. You always have to vote the way I want you to vote, okay? You get the idea? You've got someone else who says, listen, I just want to be with you. And I'm going to do whatever I can in my power so that we can be together. I love you. Who do you want to hang out with? Right? That's Jesus, people. So let's hang out with Jesus, okay? All right? Jesus unconditionally accepts you. Now, um, let's look at this a little bit further. Let's look at the world, okay? It's not just enough to say um, okay, uh, that we are conditionally accepted. How are we conditionally accepted? How does our flesh get this input? The world says we are conditionally accepted by appearance, okay? And if we allow the world to speak into our soul, we begin to feel insecure. Can someone relate to this other than just me? Right? So if you are getting input from the world that says your appearance needs to be a certain way. And boy, I tell you, like walking down the grocery store checkout lane. You know what I'm talking about? And they got the food magazines, which I, I love, right? Oh, goodness. They put out like the crock pot um, slow cooker magazine. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Whew. Okay, it makes me hungry every time. And then, and then next to that, 
They've got the magazines that tell women how they should look, right? They've got magazines that tell women how they should be wives, right? And none of that is a standard that is biblical or acceptable, right? But you look at that and you see that enough and you start to think, but I'm not, but I don't, but I can. Because we begin to think that the world needs to tell us what our appearance should be, right? Men, we are not excluded from this, right? We look at um, all of, at least for me, I don't know about you, but you look at the movie stars who have like the 1200 pack. <laughs> right? I'm not lying. You know it, okay? And the muscles and the tan. And I'm like, I can't even do that if I try. Like, and I've tried and it doesn't work. I will forever be skinny, scrawny with a little dad gut, okay? And I have to be okay with that, but the world tells me that I am not the, the best looking man out there, right? Okay, but we deal with this. I'm just being honest with you. There's a struggle in each of us to want to be better looking, but by what standards? It's all by the world standards. We're all striving to look better for who? I don't know, the world. I don't care about the world in that context. If we strive to feel the pressure from the world on appearance, we will constantly feel insecure every time we look by the mirror. Do you know how big this nose is? We can laugh about this, but I recently, I, maybe I shouldn't, should I? Don't. Don't? Okay, I won't give the context. But I looked at myself in, in a picture that was recently taken, um, and the way the lighting was, everything was dark except for this glowing thing on the front of me. <laughs> And I did a double take. I'm like, what is wrong? That's my nose. I realized I've got a huge honker and I'm okay with it. I am okay with my large nose. It's on my face. I'm stuck with it. I like it. Okay. But I could become very insecure about it. There's something that every single one of us has that we could say, I'm insecure about this. And if we don't learn to love the body that God fearfully and wonderfully made for us, we are constantly going to feel insecure about ourselves because the world wants us to feel that way. Satan wants us to feel that way, right? Um, what about this? What if we and our world focus on ability, right? We're gonna feel inadequate, right? The world gives us approval based on ability. Oh, we live in a works-based world, a works-based society. And if you focus on your abilities as your sense of feeling and self and happiness, um, you will never feel adequate because there is always someone who's doing it better than you. There's always someone who's going to get that promotion. There's always someone who is going to get it perfectly. You, hate to break it to you, won't always get the trophy, right? You're not always going to get the promotion. You're not always going to get the accolades. People aren't always going to pat you on the back. If you base your identity and your feelings on your abilities alone, you will always feel inadequate because you will never match up to the standards that the world puts on you. Okay? The next thing that the world tells us we gain approval from is our actions. You gain approval from your actions in this world. Again, this is something that conditionally accepts you. The world gives approval on actions. Focusing on your actions, maybe I'm the only one here, makes you feel guilty. Right? If only I had, if only I hadn't, you know? <laughs> I wish I'd never 
open mouth insert foot moment, man. And then you play it over and over and over again. And you just worry and you feel guilty and all of these things because you just can't do right all the time. Gosh darn it, there are people in this world that like to point it out, don't they? Yeah, we all have that person in our life who's like, you said that word wrong, or oh, you did that wrong, or oh, you backed up into that car, or, you know, and there are Facebook groups that like to point out people who park wrong, and they're, you know, we just can't get away from people telling us we are doing it wrong, right? We are conditionally accepted in this world, and our actions, good or bad, tend to make us feel guilty. Now, all of this conditionally accepted stuff is input we get from the world, right? And we know from last week that Satan is actively working in the world to try and disqualify us and discredit us and make us feel like we are not accepted, okay? But God's word tells us we are unconditionally accepted. So none of this stimulus, none of this input changes the unconditional acceptance we get from God. But it is often easier to um, rely on what our body feels than what our spirit hears from God. It is often easier to feel and believe in our soul, the, the stimulus we get from the world, because it's based on our tangible body feeling and hearing and seeing and touching and talking. And if you have a tendency to believe what you feel instead of what God tells you about yourself, then you will constantly struggle because your soul is anchored in that flesh. Your soul is anchored in what the world says about you. Your soul is anchored in your identity and what the world wants it to be, not what God is calling you to be. Um, scripture tells us a few things, and I didn't mark them here, so if you're taking notes, Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. You don't want to judge our identity and our understanding of who we are on our feelings, right? You got feelings that change from day to day. People say the wrong thing and look at you the wrong way, and your feelings are suddenly changed, right? So we do not want to base our identity, our self-worth, who we know we are or who we think we are on our feelings, right? Because Scripture tells us, that's deceitful, and it's desperately sick. And Romans 8, 6 tells us, when the mind, our thinky parts, is set on the flesh, our tangible body and its input, the result is death. If we constantly put our, um, our mind, our will, and our heart, our thinky and our feely and our decidey parts, and we focus them on what the world gives us, we are focusing on eventual death. We will continually build into ourselves the idea that we are not good enough, we can't do great enough, nobody loves us, and we will become people pleasers for the sake of fitting in, and that is not what God has designed for us. However, your soul, your thinky-feely and decidey parts, can choose to go contrary to what you feel and you can choose to receive in faith from God through the Spirit what he says about you. And you can choose to believe his words over the words of the world. And the words of God say, 
you are unconditionally accepted. You can have confidence in Christ because of that. It says in <coughs> Hebrews 6.19, confidence in God is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for the soul. Where do you want your soul anchored in the storms of life? The world and your feelings? Or the confidence in Christ that he has purchased you back from the domain of darkness that nothing, nothing you have said or will say, done or have done or will do can ever separate you from Christ? Which is the confidence you want to stand on? Christ, the guy who says, I love you no matter what. You can be confident in your spirit and your soul because of Christ. And you are complete in Christ. God's word tells us in Colossians 9, I'm sorry, Colossians 2, 9 through 10. See to it, like work at it, choose, see to it. You have to actively choose this. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world. Get this? He is saying you have to work and not falling prey to what your body is telling you through the world. You have to choose to listen to Christ because in Christ, the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, meaning when Christ came to earth, he was all God. At the same time, he was all man. Man, and you have been made complete in Christ and he is the head and the ruler over everything. Christ has made you complete in him and he has given you confidence to trust in him. And beyond that, you are forgiven in Christ. Okay? Complete and confident and forgiven. Ephesians 1.7. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and it was given according to the riches of God's great grace. God has forgiven you. The world says, nah, I'm going to hold this over you for the rest of your life. I'm going to make you feel bad and sorry and miserable for how you treated me. God says, I forgave you for the things that you have done. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and he has brought us, transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves because through him we have the redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, right? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then, then you will know what God wants you to do. Then you will know how good and how pleasing and how perfect his will really is. Your mind is renewed Every single time you choose in that moment to listen to the Spirit of God rather than the voice of the world. Every time you choose to believe in faith what God says about you and what he has done for you, you are renewed on the inside for that moment. And Christ wants to renew you, not just in the moment, but for eternity. He wants to give you a new mind and a new heart and a restored soul that isn't in conflict, that doesn't receive its identity from the world, but receives its identity through Christ. You are not what you have done. You are what Christ has done for you. 
And so that is where your identity should take root in your soul. So I want to ask you, how is your soul this morning? Right? We asked that question last week, and it was about just kind of understanding what your soul is and how it interplays with the spirit and the flesh. But this time we went a little bit deeper and we looked at the specific ways the world influences our soul and what the spirit says to us, unconditionally accepted. And what the world says to us, conditionally accepted. And I think each one of us probably knows which direction we lean more often than not. And it's probably a little bit different, right? And we probably know which one of those three areas that we struggle with in the world. And there may be more, right? But these are huge. And if we can understand this is the trick of the devil to keep us from living a life that pleases God, but we can listen to God and be renewed by God and we can trust God and we are made complete in God. And that's not something that will happen. That is something that has already happened. And in faith, we just lay hold of that promise and live that life and he will enable us to. Then we can live a life that pleases God now. And our soul, what does that verse say? Our soul can know what is good and pleasing and perfect. And I want that. That's the point in life where I go, oh, right? So how's your soul this morning? As we worship with this last song, this is an opportunity for you to talk to God and ask him, how is my soul? Maybe tell him, man, I've really struggled with appearance or um, achievement or action. And I really strive to find my identity in those things. Can you help me, God? And I guarantee you, he absolutely will. He will come and he will renew your heart and your mind. And he is dying to do that for you this morning. If you join me in prayer, the team will come up and we'll sing a song. Lord, we give you honor and glory for the ways that you work in our life. Um, for the things that you have done that are great and mysterious that we can't even wrap our brain around that you created us as spirit, soul, and body is mind-boggling enough. And that your word says that you get your word so deep into us that it can split between the soul and the spirit. And I don't even know how that works. But you get right up into the very being of who we are. And you call us to live something that is drastically different than the world would say. This morning as we lay our hearts and our souls before you, our bodies even, knelt in obedience, if that's what it is. We ask that you would confirm our identity in you this morning as children of the Most High God, children who have been bought back from sin and from shame, and Scripture tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we feel guilt, that's the world, not you, and we reject that in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. We reject shame, we reject guilt, because you bought us back and you took that away from us. Don't let the world put it back on us, Father. We lay ourselves before you in our hearts. The altar is open for those who would come and pray. And we would ask that in these moments, as we worship and exalt your name, we would be changed from the inside out. It's for your glory that we pray this. Amen.